With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. How are you doing today? Um, it's Friday. We made it to Friday, thankfully. Um, and uh, I think we have some something. Russ had something you want to discuss briefly. Yes. So here's the thing. There's a lot of different – we know radio in some ways, shape, and form is changing, right? It's not all just – standard radio stations anymore we have streaming we have a lot of different stuff yeah. however i still don't understand how there is like an 80s pop station <laughs> totally dedicated now i found this out when i was at the dmv and like the first song that they tortured me with was i think i'm alone now and, uh, and there's nothing more but you know there's nothing more vapid with just like Going off horrible keyboard technique and all kinds, of, and there's so much music like that. I don't get dedicating a station to that. Oh, how, about, how about how about foolish beat by Debbie Gibson? Oh, yeah, they're in the same kind of world, aren't they? No, but I mean, come on now. The '80s are the '80s. You know, I mean, the horrible 80s. for pop. If he oh. was here, though, Kat, Eric, he's like uh, he's all about the '80s, and the, he knows. Like, yeah, he's 80s, awesome. yes, '80s for. Uh, indie no. rock, no, but even even pop, like you know, you can't beat new wave. We used to have concerts. That's part of the eighties. No, I'm just talking about the pop part. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, the pop, the eighties. It's the thing I don't understand. Okay, is it, and I, I get the eighties because I mean, there's sentimentality to the eighties, and there's sentimentality, sentimented, sentimentality. There's yes. sentimentality to the eighties. There's sentimentality to the seventies, um, and even the nineties. But like the uh, now there's a station that started out for the aughts. Like now to me, the worst decade of music was 2000 to 2000. Okay, but don't oh. let's talk about that in one second. But yeah. just to finish on the 80s, I yeah. mean, the next song that comes on is like I'm so excited. It's like uh, if, if there's ever been a song that makes you not excited about music, <laughs> it's that song. Oh come on, that's fine. I'm I'm so nauseous. All you can think about it. I mean, can you know, see the '80s like tied to the Flashdance movie, right? I mean, that's come on, that's a great. And then like Broken Wing, Mister Broken Wing, Mister Mister, right? Is there not a dumber name of a band than Mister Mister? I want to hear. Block I want to hear, hear a double shot of Block of Seagulls. No, I want to hear a double. I want to hear a double shot of Michael Sembello. I want to hear Maniac and whatever other song he ever did. So, here's the thing. Here's the interesting. So I just want to talk, you talk about different radio things. I just want you to know something that one of the biggest podcast conventions just happened in Philadelphia and finished yesterday and uh podcast movement 2018. I had a friend who was there. He's a big podcaster and I something. Podcaster. I didn't even know about it. Yeah. Well, there you go. You missed <laughs> it. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying it was huge. No, it isn't really You're not following the right people. So I, Russ, to your point, I've actually really gotten into this new genre called yacht rock. And oh, I found God. out on Sirius that they have their own yacht rock station. I actually it's made my own rock. yacht rock playlist. All right. Let's I want to read it out to you. Okay. It was a yacht rock tour. But yeah. But pause, pause after each song so we can comment. Thank you. Okay. 
What a Fool Believes, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, that's okay. The Biggest Part of Me, Ambrosia. Yeah. Love the One You're With, Stephen Stills. Okay. okay. I, don't, I don't know if that's Yacht Rock, but okay. What is Yacht Rock? When you're in love with a stranger? No. No. Yacht Rock, Yacht Rock Dr. is. Dr. Hook? Dr. Yeah. Hook, what is that? Well, no, when you're in love with the beautiful woman. Sorry. When you're in oh. love with the beautiful oh. woman. Oh. Venture a Highway, America. Yeah. Yeah. All right. nice I can't go for that. Hall and Oates. No. No, no that's not. Oh. That is not Yacht oh. Rock. Total that is total Yacht is, Rock. No, it is no, not. No, it's not. Here are here are the three. Here, are, hold on, you guys. I've got a big list here. No, I know. I meant I'm saying continue, but here here are the here are the three pillars of yacht rock. The pillars of yacht rock. Michael McDonald. Oh. And Kenny Loggins. Oh boy. And oh. Christopher Cross. Those no. are, and that was the yacht rock team. Owned yacht no. rock. That's true. Okay. I mean, they've all, all keep on loving you, Ario Speedwagon. Uh, the way it is, Bruce Hornsby. No. No. Africa. Way. Toto. No, <laughs> yeah, that's yacht rock. No, that's, that's a yacht abomination, is what it is. Things can only get better. Howard Jones. This feels no, like a, like a middle, like that a is, that's new way. That is not yacht. Waiting on a friend. Throw this out there. This feels like a two a.m. commercial, like on like you know channel right. seven when I was a kid. It's what's, like something. Fooled around and fell in love. Elvin Bishop. What, what's next? Uh, she blinded me with science by Thomas Dolby. I mean, come on. You know what? We're going to have to dedicate an, a, a podcast just to music. So I'm going to straighten everyone out. So basically, because, when you're not playing your yacht, yacht Rock playlist, you're showing chick flicks. That's what's happening. I might be. Yeah, and no, there's nothing are. wrong with that. Here's the thing. I, I have a I have a I have a friend out in Vancouver, and he's he's a complete another, he's a complete another nut job when it comes to music. He's the most opinionated guy you've ever met, and and I see email arguments between this email list I'm on with him. He people challenge him. He goes completely haywire. He has this interesting theory. Okay, and you who was it who made the point about the mute playlist for the aughts in 2000? He nah. theory is that music basically changed around the year 2000 not because of the year but because the level of talent is so slim after yeah. that and that the people who can write truly great music are so small because of what the genres have done and the effect of all the different things that have squeezed music into certain categories and what you're seeing is basically nothing is produced because frankly we're not producing as many um uh savants musical savants that can lead a band and be something. And I think he's got some point with that. I call it the auto-tune era. If, if, if I can think of two pe two people who I've – one I've seen live and one I haven't, but I've heard like um, yeah. sort of audio uh, that was direct into the mic at a concert. Enrique Iglesias, yeah. the Julio Iglesias. Oh, yeah. There's a famous Howard Stern thing where they have him like the, the, the direct from the mic and he's singing out of tune. And of course, when he's doing the stuff in studio, everything is perfect and he right. sounds fantastic. So really, he's he's a studio manufactured. That's unfair. I mean, come on now. That, no, no, no. But I, you know what? I don't have a problem with people using technology to their right. advantage on that. I, I get that. What I have a problem with is there's not really a lot of talent. Yeah, okay. There's not. And, and part of it is, is look where bands used to come from. There's no right. bands coming right. out in New we York City. There's no one record to live in New bad. York City. Let me just, and then I can talk. The other one was Avril Lavigne. I saw her in Toronto and she screams out of tune. 
in concert. It was terrible. But go ahead. They must have had their auto because they use auto tune in concert too. So must yeah. Have. I mean, a couple of things. Attitude. First of all, attitude is something that you got to give guys breaks on because and now I'm not saying that people that there's great singers or that you know these guys are great singers, but. I've been in situations where you show up at a radio station and the sound is horrible in your headphones. You have no idea. You're trying your best to hear. Yeah. And you can easily get, you can easily sound terrible. Like we've done some, I mean, I have recordings of shows that like an our singer and, and, and I can sing perfectly in pitch. No problem at all. But you throw it, you throw but you can throw a bunch of scenarios at anybody. And, um, and not to the point, you know, where you're like Mariah Carey on New Year's Eve, but for granted, you should, you know, you should be able to overcome things. But in situations, especially like radio shows, like that aren't really set up for live music all the time, right. like Howard Stern show or something like that. Yeah, probably even the better case because I mean they have live music in there. But you could, we showed up at like a like a Fordham radio station on Long Island or whatever on WFUV. We used to play at, and you go there, yeah, and it's just like yeah. yeah, you go there, and and they and they even have some bands. But you're really looking at a situation where you can't hear yourself. You have no idea what the mix sounds like. So it's and you're just singing in a room to a microphone. And uh, you, you can definitely. I think, that's, I think that's fair. What I do hate, and I think that Mike was getting at this is. So I went to a um, to a march in in um, D.C. a couple of years ago. John Stewart had it, and they had live bands. I was there for the sound check for Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne was completely off key, sounded horrendous. We all looked at each other like, "Wow, this is what he sounds like." This will be awful. Concert starts and he's perfect. Well, that's part of that it could that could be. I mean, that's a problem. There's all different sorts of things there. There could I mean, yeah. it could be. I mean, it could be an auto tune thing. He couldn't maybe he couldn't hear himself in the sound check. No, 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 no. One of the thing myths about auto tune is that it auto automatically tunes you. An auto tune is actually a voice effect. Auto tune. What they actually use is far more. Um, complex software that is pitch correction. It it moves your voice into different octaves where it's supposed to be. It's been compared to original tracks. It's, it's not like you just go T-pain your voice. It's like, it's serious. It's serious software. Like it's, it's like this stuff is designed for live music because guess what? That's where artists make their money now. And heck, you'll know the music industry flipped on its head. You'd go out, you'd cut an album, you tour to support the album. You'd hope to break money on your tour, but it would increase your album sales and you make money. Now you cut a record, no one buys it, and you go right, out and produce a show, right? Yeah. So yeah. everyone, people demand perfection in in the no, show. No, but live music, I don't want perfection. Neither I do I, Russ. Variation. You're talking to a guy who goes and sees fish. I take it warts and all. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. no, and, and this, this, this is my major complaint about because I've always, I've always appreciated and favored the studio version of songs as opposed to live. And the only live versions I've ever liked are ones that are very close to the studio. And I, and I've talked about this many times. I went to go see within two months of each other the reunion tour. I think it was in oh oh nine, maybe in 07, Genesis reunion tour and the oh. Police reunion tour. And the police were phenomenal because Sting could still sing, and he could still sing "Walking on the Moon" and "Roxanne" and all the songs in the original pitch, in the original, yeah. you know, the the, the yeah, same yeah. key. His voice intact. To, yes, Phil Collins completely lost his voice. He was down at least uh, what an octave. He's not an octave. It was still good, but he was down an octave. Right, but 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 it, to me, it took the appreciation of the concert away because it wasn't the songs as they were. The only songs that were good were the instrumentals that they could play as the same that as, as they were on the album. So, 
Here's an interesting point to that, Mike. One of the guys who's really into the idea that you need to reproduce something as it was sounds and he uses technology to do it and it's been shown that although he doesn't promote it, it's there, is Roger Waters. And, you know, you go to a Pink Floyd or Roger Waters concert, you want to hear what the album is because the albums are such incredible sonic forays into concepts and stuff. So they reproduce it and they use a lot of technology for that. And I don't think there's a problem with that. But I, I do think there's an aspect of live music needs to have warts. It needs to have spontaneity. It needs to have something that makes it unique. Because if you just go and do the exact same set list, <clears throat> ACDC, um, every night after night, Guns and Roses, and you proclaim you're doing this incredible tour and, and it's the same crap every night, there's nothing unique about that. You didn't make it unique for me. You just showed up and did your hour and a half. And I, I, that's when I, the one thing I'll tell I you what like. I adore. Here's just something that I adore. And then we got to let Eck talk because he's the real musician. Joe Perry does a solo that's just reverb. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Because that you could only do in a live show. And it's great. No, I mean, that's a, whoa, so many topics. One second. Um, so <laughs> we're not going to do an entire music podcast, but I'm going to no. talk about these things real quickly because I've been writing them down as you've been going. First of all, that there are no good songwriters nowadays is total ridiculousness. Um, there's incredible songwriters nowadays, um, but um, and for example, like I challenge anybody. I know I know it's really cheesy the carpool karaoke thing that you know that that they yeah, did. Yeah. It's really cheesy, but I challenge you've got to watch Ed Sheeran's. Okay, um, yeah. I've talked about Ed Sheeran before. Ed Sheeran has written songs for everybody before he before he got big. He was like writing for One Direction, writing for um, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, Pink, all different people, and he and the, when he when you think of their best songs, they're Ed Sheeran songs. It's hilarious. He, and he can sit, he sits there in the guitar, you know, with the guitar in the car too, which he knows, never does. But you can tell he's the kind of guy like he's real, real talented. I'm just not a fan. But Peter's the one who made that statement. Let's no, but I'm saying that there are there are lots of these people out there. There's the national well, incredible yes. songwriters. Um, there's there's great bands still coming out. Um, that's not to say that you know, the the difference now in our era that we live in. Is the way people make money in music has changed? Yes. Now, when you know, when I was going around in like the late '90s, early 2000s, um, you really what, what we had to do is when we when we showed up to a town, we were going to say we were opening for somebody pretty big, and we knew we could sell a couple hundred CDs opening for that band. But you know, we we had to actually get the physical CDs in our hands. So because this is before you know internet distribution, so we would have to call ahead to a Borders bookstore, Barnes and Noble, whatever, order. 150 CDs, pay for them, like buy them, just buy them because we weren't getting a discount from our record or anything like that. Buy 100 CDs, bring them to the show, sell them for a couple dollars more than we bought them for or not just to get them into the hands of people um, because otherwise you're playing a show and you're expecting those people to remember your name, go to the store and maybe there's two or three in the bin, right? So it's like you really, so you're so screwed that way. The record companies at that point were distribution, and that's all they were. Why you signed a record deal was was because touring, because you never made, I never made a cent off of any album we sold, and we sold a couple hundred thousand albums. I never made a cent off of anything. Okay. Wow, that's um, crazy. Because the way record companies work is you've got to be in the zillions to make money. Yeah. Yeah. They, they think you're going to make money on the, um, you know, and, and touring and, and merchandising and stuff like that. So. And that's what that has changed now because distribution now no longer is a record company job. I mean, record companies still do it, but distribution now is is as simple as a click on the on your computer. Yeah. So the, 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 
And what that did is it shifted the way the people make money and it shifted how bands were formed. It shifted how things went together because now you, you, you're still not making money on it if you're signed with a record company, but there's reasons not to sign with a record company because you can make a lot of money on it. Um, if you got a half decent following and also you have to tour all the time now to make any money at all. So that's why you see people touring constantly because if you're with a record company, you have to tour all the time. If you're not with a record company, you can get away with not touring all the time. Right. Well, I mean, just just as an example, and I think that I think this is sort of the de the death of the modern music, and then we can t start talking about hockey. Um, you know, the, uh, somebody I just discovered, I'd say in the last six seven months, and ironically from like somebody like David Crosby, who was on Twitter and said, "This girl has got a great voice. She's a great songwriter. Listen to her. Her name is Sarah Jarose." And I, you know, I listened to one video and said, "I, I was hooked." And I now, now the thing is, I got most of my music. Most of her songs that I like, I bought a few of them on on Apple because I had a I had an a, the the card with, with right. the, but most of it I got off of YouTube or got off of Spotify and recorded it myself. So that's so, awesome. And that, <laughs> right, but the thing that's is, that's another whole big subject. But I, I will I say this: do it. you know, I mean, I got I got my first Spotify check um, ever a few months ago. And I've, our, our songs have been played on Spotify hundreds of thousands of times, you know, I mean, yeah. not like, you know, but not like billions of times, right? You know, like, you know, other things. And the Spotify check was less than like 15 bucks. Okay. So it's yeah. like you're looking at like, it's, it's, it's almost not worth even, no. going, even cashing the check. So you ended up in situations, you know, I felt like, I felt like I should just frame it and put it on the wall for fun because that's what, <laughs> you know, it's more, it's more entertaining that way than the $15 I'm going to get from it. Yeah, so here's the you, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I got it. I want to mention the auto thing too because auto is not quite. Auto is definitely a program. Um, it's it's best used. You know, when you when you hear the auto like everybody thinks of share. Okay, like do you believe in love? Right. Everybody? That's like the the auto tune used as an effect. Like it's like distortion be used on a guitar or whatever. That's auto tune used as an effect on a voice. And it gives a certain feel to it. Auto tune when used properly, you can't hear it at all. Um, and it, and it, you know, and as long as you are close, like within a couple semitones or whatever, auto tune will definitely fix you on the fly and make you sound better. Um, but it's not going to help you. The further away you get, like if you get to like a half step, which is like a half step on a half step would be like from like a white key to a black key on a keyboard and right next to each other. If you if you get like a quarter away, the auto tune's not going to fix you. That's when auto tune starts to sound wacky, like like the share thing. So. Um, but there are really great auto tunes now that, and 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 there's I have no problem with auto tune in some situations because of how difficult it is for the bands to hear themselves. Now the last thing I will say, and <laughs> we should do it, we should do a podcast on this, is I, is there are two different people in this world, and I've found this over the years. There are people who like live albums and people who like recorded albums, and people who want to hear the recorded, like you're saying, Mike, you want to hear the recorded versions live. I think as a musician, and personally, I think that's ridiculous because I already have the recorded versions. So to right. me. I want to hear if I and not now. I'm not one who likes you know like I'll go like hear Springsteen do like an acoustic version of Born to Run or whatever, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. But you know, or yes, do like um, you know soon with just a piano and whatever. You know, there's things that I like that are really I, I much prefer that. But um, I definitely understand both ways of looking at it. I, I've, I've Roger Waters is one of my mentors. I've got to meet him. I love I like he's he's, he's lyrically phenomenal. Um, and he uses a ton of you know prepaid pre-recorded stuff as he's going that's real that makes that makes playing live very difficult we've done it too where because what you have in that situation you have a tr you have tracks running along with you so the drummer of your band has a click track in his in his ear that's going it's going like this right and he has, he has to wait for eight of those to go by to start right. you 
that he will start and he's got to stay with that click track or else you're going to leave the tracks that are recorded, you know, in the dust because those things are playing at a consistent speed all the way through. Um, and that's, and you can, and you can screw with them too. Like you can change them to make the live thing sound differently, but whatever is there, you've got to play it. You got to play with it because it's, it's, it's going with you. Um, the last thing I was going to say is just to give a tip to the audience. Cause I always like to help out. I've seen a million shows and the best thing to do now, like don't pay, $200, $300 for Britney Spears who's going to lip sync the whole show. I don't care if your daughter wants to see it. But if you want to see good bands, sometimes see those middle tier bands. Like Walk the Moon is a great band. You can see them for 50 bucks. All Time Low is a great band. You can see them for 50 bucks. Even Green Day, before a big tour starts, you can see them for 50 bucks in a couple different venues when they're getting ready for the tour. That's my tip. Yeah. You don't have to spend your no, money. And you can find, like, I, I saw Nirvana um, back in like in the early, I mean, the mid eighties, right before they were big, right? Uh, like mid to late. You saw, you saw them on the bleach tour probably. I saw them at the Kyber Pass in Philadelphia, like a place that is no bigger than this room I'm in here. Um, and it is like, you know, but the, so this kind of thing, like there are, you know, you, we can, when you see bands, but you know, something like Britney Spears and all that, people aren't going there for, to hear the music. Um, or in a similar way to people who aren't going to the Grateful Dead to hear the music. It's so they're going to see her in spandex is what they're going to see. No, that's that's it. They're watching her dance for 90 minutes. Dancing, and it's also, a, it's also a vibe thing. And it's like, so if the Grateful Dead goes on and on, like I'm not a big fan of musical masturbation where bands play and play and play and play and play. Um, you know, in, you know what I mean? I'm not, and I know as a fish fan, I know Peter, I'm mean, trust me, I'm sure you love that. Um, I'm not a jam band guy. I'm not, I'm not, it's not my thing that, that bothers me. Like, I guess you can, yes, you can solo over this bar for 25 minutes if you want to. Sure. I could do that too. But you know, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I hate when that take cuts into the amount of songs I'm hearing in the show. That's my opinion. Okay. But, Right. Well, yeah, we definitely, we definitely have to do, we definitely have to do like in middle of August when we run out of things. To yeah, talk. We'll do it. I'm actually talking to a, a guy in my band named Brett and uh, we're thinking of doing a music, a music podcast on some things that we were talking about. And Someone uh, wanted us to rant again on Billy Joel. No, no, no. The, the, that, that rant is over with. Billy Joel is superior. No, no, no. We're not doing it. <laughs> Sorry, let's go and start the show. That makes me so angry. Um, <laughs> Billy Joel's in town tonight, too. My sister-in-law's going to see him. I wouldn't go on a bet. And I uh, love, and I'm telling you again, I saw Billy Joel probably live 15 times. Okay. I was a Billy Joel fan, way more Billy Joel fan than I was a Springsteen fan. But this day and age, right now, here and now, there is no comparison between Bruce Springsteen. Just start the show, or you're going to be sorry. Please, just start. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, July 27th, 2018. I am Michael Lagello. Sorry. Peter, go ahead. I don't think it sounds working. There we go. I said, I'm offended, <laughs> Peter Tessier. I'm Russ Cohen from Sports Hall. I'm the Greg Lances, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes here every Monday through Friday at this time. Peter missed the click track. <laughs> we did. We missed the click track. You got to get away from the – why drummers are so important. We come to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And sorry, guys. I know for those of you keeping track at home, we started at 129 today, which just put in the comments ourselves. Um, but anyway, um, we appreciate Better that. than no show. It's better than no showing, guys. Listen, I mean, we'll go a little bit longer for you all, and it's it's fun, you know. We're just it's summer, so anyway, um, we have a lot to talk about. Um, but I really wanted to start with my blog today because it was a debate we had yesterday, and I know you guys have another topic that you were debating before I got on. Mm -hmm. to talk about. I don't even know what that topic was, but it was kind of I liked when it came on, and you guys said well, we should talk about that on the show, and not now. 
Um, but let's <laughs> let's uh, start with this one. And that was what we kind of ended with yesterday. And we started talking about it after the show, um, after we were off the air, which is always fun. Like, we need to talk about this on the air. The John Tavares trend. Um, is it a trend or is it an anomaly? And the, this is the concept. I wrote my blog about it today. So this, the concept is this. Um, over the years, you know, superstar players, for the most part, 99% of the time, send, have tended to sign back with their teams. And they tend to go back there and they tend to do it as soon as they can. Like, you know, as soon as possibly legal, they'll resign. It doesn't, you know, occasionally you get the Stamkoses, which run close to July 1st, but even he didn't go all the way to July 1st, if you remember. Right. Um, but you get the, but for the most part, that level of superstar has not done what John Tavares is the first. And I, could, I was trying to think back to any at all. And I came back with a Forsberg, maybe, but. Oh, no, no, uh, 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 Parise and Suter. Right. They wouldn't put them as superstars. They're in star level. Um, I mean, they're maybe maybe a little bit better than like the Panarins, but I don't know, it's close. You know, like that one. Marion Hosa with Detroit. Yeah, yeah, but in their prime, I mean, like. I mean, Parise got traded after a 90 point season with the Devils, yeah. right? I mean. No, Parise is a good one. Parise is a good one. Um, I thought I could think of Niedermeyer, you know, with the Anaheim. Okay, he's a guy who goes there and he's yeah. he's in his prime, made a big difference. Um, Briere came to Philadelphia. That was a big difference in his prime. Um, I mean, Mark Chris Jury. Chris Jury. Chris Jury went to New York. That was yeah, that I mean, didn't Mark work. Messier out. when he went to the Rangers still scored a hundred points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a Mark trade. Messier when he went to the Canucks. Right. Oh, that was a trade. I think we were talking trades. We but you know, we're talking about like you know maybe. No, we're just talking free agent. My brain shifted to trades. Some guys yeah. or whatever um, who are, who have you know who have gone as free who just picked the team they wanted to at July uh, at when they could. You know, like the, this whole rule is set that July first you're a free agent, you can do whatever you want. So that's the whole that's the way it works. Jason Blake. Jason <laughs> Blake. So not many have okay, and um, and some who haven't been absolute disasters, right? And some, but but. Tavares did this, and my question is, is it the beginning of a trend or is it an anomaly? And my, and I say this because, okay, on one side, you can see we're sitting there and Carlson's also, uh, I would say, like an 80% chance to do this as well, uh, you know, unless because of Tavares, you know, and, and Carlson to me is another anomaly in a way. So that's why I want, they're both kind of, they're both, ex, you know, extreme circumstances. And when you look at Tavares, for example, there's no question he wants to be a Maple Leaf. I mean, he grew up playing. He grew up. He grew up. You know, sleeping in Toronto Maple Leaf covers, as we all saw. He grew up in that city. But even then, and even with a team that had no home building, and even with a team that had no goaltender, he really, really struggled with this decision right until the end. And when he's doing the press conference in Toronto, you could tell he was still hard for him. So to me, that makes this kind of like an anomaly more than a trend. Um, and Carlson, you know, another player who wants to stay in Ottawa but just simply can't. Um, you know, he would love that if Ottawa got their act together for some reason, got new management and made a couple trades, he would be back there. He would go, he could, he could still go back there, but he can't the way it is right now. So those guys don't really say, say whether this is a trend or anomaly or not. So yesterday we got talking about, okay, say Panarin, Wayne Simmons, um, Max Pacioretty, three players who are a level below there, more in the Parise era, in my opinion, but you know, maybe, maybe a little bit below Parise, but in that area. These are three guys that we will see, like, because because what we talked about is if Panarin or Simmons, and because Patchetti in a way is another anomaly because they've already kind of broken ties there, but Panarin and Simmons, you know, are on teams that both have you know playoff potential. Both could go to this, both could, and both could be easily in the playoffs come trade deadline, right? So as you sit there at trade deadline, you know, will Panarin? Will Simmons? Will those teams trade them? 
if their team is in the playoffs and not risk losing them for nothing? Yeah, blanket answer, yes. Because I think I think that right now, especially you know, with do it to Varys. I'm sorry to say that again. That, does that decision of them trading him have anything to do with Tavares and what Tavares did? I think it, in part, but I also think it has to do with the ch- with the changing focus of management in the NHL, where the, it's it's more towards asset management than I think it ever has. I, re- I really think now this and this is the thing, I, I, and I, I'll I'll expand off of the Toronto point, but I made it yesterday. Toronto w- Toronto will rue the day. Because that that they did not trade, and I know that somebody in the comments disagreed with me vehemently, saying you know they had 105 points and they were a contender for the Stanley Cup because they had over 100 points. I watched that team for 82 games. They they were not a serious contender for the Stanley Cup. They're a good team. They're an up and coming team. They have a lot of players who are going to be stars in this league or very good players. They didn't have the defense, to, and they had to get through Boston and Tampa just to get to the conference final. They were not going to win the Stanley Cup. But I buy I buy on I buy the the you know the thought that, okay, we want this team to grow. We want them to win around. I get that. But you could have done that even without Van Riemsdyk and Bozak. You had players. Van Riemsdyk would have brought the best return in uh, at the trade deadline. He better than, better than, uh, than, uh, than Evander Kane. They would have gotten a first round pick and something for Van Riemsdyk. And that is the type of package that you might have to trade to get a defenseman. So going forward, Columbus, Panarin is not going to sign with Columbus. This is not a situation where he's trying to edge out more money from them. He doesn't want to play there after this year. So Kekalainen's got to make the decision. Do you want to get a first-round pick and a top prospect, or do you want to get nothing other than cap space? And cap space, honestly, it's, it's something, but it's not much. So I think the teams are going to be looking at situations like Simmons, like Panarin, like Ryan Ellis, if, if Nashville can't afford to sign him on a long-term deal. Get something while you can because all you're going to be holding is a bunch of nothing if you don't. I, I think that the Tavares now since then did change everything. And I do think we are going to see guys moving, whether you're in it or you're not. Now, the Leafs – are sort of an anomaly with this because maybe they had a hint they were getting Tavares. And maybe that's another reason why they were so willing to let JVR go without compensation because they were like, oh, all right, you know what? Right. We will take that bullet because we're going to need the cap space. But right. I don't think most teams would op- – hold on. But I don't think most teams would operate that way because, again, I think most teams would have wanted to get something for, for Van Riemsdyk, who's a top scorer on the team. At the end of the day – like I said, if Columbus lets Panarin ride through the season and, and they don't win the Stanley Cup, it's a monumental failure. If Eric Carlson somehow plays through, which it will never happen, but if he somehow played through the Ottawa season because they had a freakish season and could make the playoffs, they would get excoriated. There's you In this day and age, it takes so much to develop players. It's easy to draft them. It's easy to sort of, you know – not do it, it it's not easy to not do well but it's easy to just have a bad season draft kids but it's more complicated than that and to get guys at this level who could play like that you can't let them walk i i wanted to hear what peter has to say but i want to throw something out there that you bring up an excellent point and it kind of makes my point to a degree first of all i think everything mike is saying is completely wrong um, <laughs> you know, that goes without saying Start with. Um, I think that that's insane. And I, like I've said before, Mike, I'd like to agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. I think that um, 
ridiculous that that you would think about even trading um, Van Riemsdyk when you're in the playoffs. Um, and and yes, they did get something for John Tavares. I mean, for for Van Riemsdyk, they got John Tavares, and that cap space that they got for Van Riemsdyk got them JT. Right, that's an odd situation. I, I don't. I mean, like they can't sign Tavares. I I don't think they had any. I don't think they had any idea they were getting John Tavares until he said that he was going to sign with them. I you know I I, I don't buy it. But they planned for it. You don't just put well, a good yeah. presentation together in a day. Oh no no no! I'm obviously they planned, planned for it. So the plan worked. If the plan would have failed, maybe we'd be killing them today. But it worked. That's right. Their their fallback their fallback Russ was the fact that they had depth on the wings, and that they were going to be able to replace Van Riemsdyk with young guys in the organization. Now that would have taken a step back, and now Tavares has basically equalized everything. But no, but 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 you cannot. You know, so many times I think we get stuck in this hockey fantasy manager world. You know, like it's like you cannot punt on a season. Um, I'm not saying punt on a season. Somebody for nothing. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I, I didn't say that the Leafs should have laid down and said, "Okay, Boston, take me. I'm yours." I'm saying they could have beaten Boston without Van Riemsdyk. They had they had talent. They had young players. The reason you bring your best team with you, okay? You can beat them without anybody. But the reason to bring your best team with you is that gives you the best chance to beat them, right? Tavares could get injured. I mean, Panarin. They could not trade Panarin, and then he could be out for the season with an injury at the end of May that doesn't allow him to play in the playoffs and everything is totally screwed up. Right. But well, that, and that's potential, but you cannot punt on a season. You have to, you have hockey fans who pay tons of money to get seats for season tickets to see the best team that they can. And I don't, I do not, I will, I will bet you a thousand bucks that they will not trade Wayne Simmons during the season. Well, let, let, let's, let's just say this. For, for, I'll bet you a dollar. You can give me a thousand back and I'll make that bet. No, I mean, I, I, we've got to think of something really good, Russ, because there is no way. And I, I'm, I'm putting the caveat on if they're, if they're in. There, no, there's no caveat. No, 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 no. no. no there is a caveat because if they're, if they're not, if they're, if they're 10 points out of the playoffs, yes. But I'm talking about if they're in or close to the playoffs, there is no way they are moving Simmons. With a team like with a team like Columbus, it's the decision you're making if you're Yamo Kekalainen is are you punting on the 2018-19 season? Are you punting on the 2019, the 2020, and the 2021 season? Because if you don't get anything for Panarin and he walks and you get nothing but his six million dollar cap space. You're losing out unless unless you, you get punting on the franchise, Mike. I mean, you might be paying, and not just the season, but if you if you have the chance, if you are if it first, if you for if you're first place in the Metro Division, you you have a and you have a serious chance of maybe going to the Conference Finals, where who knows what could happen, and Bobrovsky could get crazy hot, um, and you go and then you win a Stanley Cup or go to a Stanley Cup final or do something like that. That is something that you have no chance without Panarin of doing. You're, you're, you're remarkably consistent because I remember when I was a caller to the Hockey Buzz podcast back oh, in the no. day, and it was and it was it was the Leafs and Matt Sundin back in the day, and you were basically saying they should keep Matt Sundin, they could ride Vesa Toscala, and yeah. none of it none of it happened. That's the problem. Right, so here's here's something I'd like to correct the yeah, chat. Peter has to speak. We need, I want Peter to I want to get Peter's opinion on this. Okay. Peter. Because I know you'll agree with me, Peter. That's why I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> so the, here's my thing. If you're comparing the whole thing with the cap space for Tavares uh, is due to Van Riemsdyk, I think you have to put on the tinfoil toque a little bit and say, 
that's a huge gamble because Tavares could have just as easily signed back with the Islanders or gone to and San Jose. They're going to San Jose. It was a massive risk. Well, so they still Marner and they still need there's still things they had to do, right? So they had they had they still had to get they couldn't sign they, they had to let JVR walk no matter what. Yeah, there was something there. Mike Mike's point is why do you let him walk without getting something for him? And I think that that's that's a, a very good point. But I also think I think Lou and Dubis believed that they could go and do something in the playoffs. So you needed yes. JVR. And right. you got to remember, Leafs playoff revenue isn't just money. It's Brinks trucks full of money. Yeah. And it's, two rounds for the Leafs is like six rounds for like any I, other team. It's TV so revenue too. It's, it's, TV, revenue. it's massive. It's ad sales. It's so massive. So... But, Okay, I'm taking I'm gonna correct the chat room on one thing. I gotta say this real quick. This is the same thing. I'm sorry, I'm damn obnoxious. This is the same thing in reverse to why a team that's on the brink will trade a first round draft pick to bring somebody in, right? Somebody that they know won't, won't resign with them, but they bring them in because you would bring, they, like, by not trading, like, when they talk about their, their own rental, that's a serious, that's actually true. And JVR was their own rental. And they didn't have to give up anything for that. Yeah. But I disagree with that too, Ak. They traded a second round pick for Thomas Pacanitz. Right. That that was they traded a second round pick the year before for Brian Boyle, and he walked away. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the but, I'm gonna Mike. Mike, they can afford to do that because they have the depth to do it. Wait, okay, but look, let's 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 put this let's put the shoe on the other foot here. Okay, next February. My, the, the Winnipeg Jets are challenging for first place in the Central Division, and Blake Wheeler has come out and said, I'm going to go free agent. Are you yeah. trading him or are you riding it out? Um, I'm riding it out. You have to. You have to. Blake Wheeler is a top five right winger in the I'm league. I'm riding it out. There Sorry. is no option. I mean, here's the thing. I, I want to point this out to the chat room. No, I wouldn't ride it out. That's the answer. But here's the thing for the chat room. I have to defend James Van Riemsdyk here because they're calling him a power play specialist. No. This guy, hold on. He has 154, no, here is 100, 106 even strength goals compared to 45 on the power play. More more than double. So He's great He's great on the power play, but he's not a power play specialist. No, he's not. And he has, five, and he has 20 game winning goals. Please yeah. don't call him that. That's really not fair. Yeah. No. It's really not. And I think it's really, it's, it's just this whole concept of micromanaging so you can have a slightly better draft pick versus trying to win a Stanley Cup is insane to me. Oh, like, no, it's, it, it's not. I mean, it's not it, getting assets is not because of the slightly better draft pick. That's that's in the that's in the case of a team that's not in the playoffs. What I'm talking about here is a team that is in the playoffs, a team like a Winnipeg, a team like a Toronto, when you have, you know, when you have the opportunity, when you know that in, in this in, in this case, I think Toronto is even more guilty. They knew that they weren't going to sign Van Riemsdyk. You know, mm -hmm. Van Riemsdyk said said this week that he was that they po basically pulled their offer or didn't make a serious offer a couple weeks before July first. So that you can only draw from that that they were never they, it was never in their plans to sign him. And if that's the case, then why not trade him and get a first round pick and a prospect? Unless you can trade him for somebody who is equally as good. 
is him who's going to help you around the stretch. Like if, if Panarin gets traded for Wayne Simmons, I mean, I'm not saying they're equal players, but okay. How that, many how many Ryan Callahan for Matt Marty St. Louis deals have we seen at the deadline? Right. None, except for that one. That was very unique. No, but they're horrendous. I mean, those are horrendous. I mean, that was an horrendous trade. There, there's just like, there's to me, there's all kinds of situations here that are just absolutely insane. You have to remember at the end of the day, the people who are paying the freight for this whole thing are the people who are buying season tickets. The people who are buying playoff tickets don't want to know that you just traded away one of their best players so you can have a third round pick next year. Um, or that just that means when you're going into the playoffs. That is absolutely, right. I mean, if you, if you, if you survey the crowd, of the people who are in that stadium and say, would you, are you guys okay if we trade away JVR? We're going to get a second round pick and we're going to get oh, a but not, no, that, Hang on, hang on, hang on. That's misrepresenting it. Do I, we I, know I, that anyone was calling about JVR? Did, no, there were. And do we know what the alleged amount? No, we don't were, know. We don't know. There could have been discussions. Yeah. Yeah, there was discussions. What I know of it is there was nothing that would help them immediately so it was all like things that were good down the line things from maple Leafs, like things that could help the them down the don't line. need Nothing. down the line they need to start materializing now because they're in this window right but and and that's part of the problem there peter because i believe at the start of last season and who knows whose idea it was we don't know if it was lou shanahan all of them one of them somebody had the idea the leafs could get to the stanley cup and because of that they kept jvr as their own rental because that was the belief I never believed they could make it to the Stanley Cup. Most people didn't believe it, but they did believe it because we heard them talking about it. Yeah, and there was no reason not They didn't say it outright, but they were hinting at it. There really was no reason not to believe that, to be honest. I mean, it really... Well, I think there was a reason. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason the Leafs didn't get past the first round of the playoffs and the chat room can flame me for all I want is it's because they did nothing to deal with their defense. Thank you. That's the problem. And I, if, if your goal was to fix your defense, which was the glaring problem on that team and JVR was your only chip, you may not have been able to do it at the deadline. Peter, they we were, uh, Russ and I were in Chicago and the talk was JVR going to the Islanders for Travis Hamanick. And yes. then the deal fell through, and then Hamannick gets traded to Calgary. They they pulled they pulled back. They were not willing to offer what Tampa offered in the, in the in the Ryan McDonough deal. And what all I'm saying when it came to the team came to Van Riemsdyk is if yeah if there was a top four defenseman that a team was offering for him, they would have done they, they would have did that. But nobody was going to do that for a rental player. But the thing is, you can get a defenseman if you if you've received a top prospect and a first round pick you can get a defenseman for that it wouldn't have been a direct one for one or a direct deal. The interesting thing with the Leafs Mike and everybody the interesting thing about the Leafs is because they have Mike Babcock there's always this belief that he could overcome a lot and as an example in Babcock's last year with Detroit he came into Philly and on his power play he didn't have a right-handed shot the whole season he worked with all left-handed shots on his power play the entire season. Like, if you think about that, most most coaches would go insane over that. Babcock, no, he just adjusts. That's all. All right. Yes, and um, some people are flaming you, Peter. But some people, one, but we did have somebody in the in the room that was uh, that where Matt said, "Is Peter ever wrong? Dude's on point every single day." Yes, his wife says it all the time. <laughs> Russ, no, but how do you know that? Because you're right. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know somebody who lives two doors down from you, Peter. <laughs> and then and then fashion that in there saying that I'm freaking out about tanking, and they're two totally different situations. All right, you did freak out over tanking. But, I, but they're different freakouts, okay? So let me, let, me, let me explain the different freakouts. Tanking, I just hate. I understand what it does. I understand how it helps the team. I hate it because I hate the concept of teams in a sport trying to lose. And I think that, and I think that that, and, and, and the, make me, call me crazy, but I think that that is, that is a ridiculous byproduct of this whole concept of maybe we'll get the first round pick, so let's lose a bunch of games. Even though we have people paying to come to see it, even though we, even though we have young players who are going to learn and grow up in a culture of losing even though we have all that stuff we're going to still blow these games out in the hopes that ping pong balls fall right i don't like that that but that has nothing to do but i understand that i do not understand trading away top players when you're going when, you, when you're going into the playoffs as a playoff team like that i do not get i get bringing in and i i get throwing it throwing away first round draft picks for you know keith kachucks in the day i get that um and that rarely rarely ever works out you know, almost never works out for teams, right? So many times, so many first round draft picks have been given away for nothing, and no one seems to have a problem with that. No one, no one goes after them. No, they do now because you don't see it happening now. Still, well, I mean, the, the Jets the threw the a first value. round in Eric Foley for Stasny, right? And that worked out very well. And I think it did too. Um, and I then and, and you know, but some people say, oh, it didn't work out because you yeah, know they years didn't down the line, if that first round pick turns out to be a guy who scores forty goals, then people are going to say, okay, that and that's it, the thing. They're going to say that was an expensively failed rental, Peter. They will. Right. You know, Jets had a but good. But you know what? You can't predict the future. And the player the Blues are going to take with that pick does not mean the Jets are going to take that same player. No, but you know what? But it's true. But to X point, back in the day. I would say 50% of the teams would easily trade a first-round pick for a player if they feel they can make it. Now we're talking like 20%. Yeah. But the main reason it says change has nothing to do with with, with the but, fact that I want to do that. The main reason that change is because of the salary cap. The salary cap. Yeah, the salary cap. But also, the data is starting to say that if you're after the top 15, you're bought, in particular your bottom 10 first-round picks, they're as valuable as, as a high second or mid-second. So if you, if you have a good staff to, to scout, yes. Yeah, but statistically even, Russ, and what's come out of those things on certain draft years, the evidence is starting to say you don't need to have that. You don't need those picks, and they're not as valuable as people think they are, but it has a first attached to it. And that evaluation may be valid, but again, I make the point, something is better than nothing. And that's what – like, okay, what the Leafs ended up with, Sorry, the, the argument. No, the ar your argument is fair, but you, you basically it's the lesser lesser of two evils char argument. You choose the lesser of two evils, you're still choosing evil. <laughs> but I'll take the lesser one. You are, and I think that, and I think that you know. I agree, but I'll take the lesser one. Something is always better than nothing, but you have to remember what you're doing. You're trying to win a Stanley. Like you have okay, to. Here's really the win. argument. I'll give you the flip side of your argument. Here's the flip side. You don't trade the player. You ride it through. He could get hurt, or you're not going to win the cup. Both things can happen, and the odds of both of those happening are better than you winning the cup when right. you let that player stay on board. That's but the that's thing. Punt. You know, so you're saying just punt. You know, and so I'm you've, got this, great, you've got this great momentum. You've got you've got a great locker room where you know JVR is a popular guy in that room. Everything's going well. Like I had a real trouble. I had a real problem with St. Louis trains that. Let me, let me use Wayne Simmons as your example. So Wayne Simmons, we're at the trade deadline. Let's say the Flyers are, it's like every other Flyers year. 
They're three points in or three points out. Right. Right. I'm trading Wayne Simmons because at the end of the day, that team is not getting to the Stanley Cup, even if they're three points out, because only the LA Kings did it and they were way better than that kind of a team in that position. Hold on, Mike. And then at the end of the day, the players that I get for Simmons, I'm at least going to get one that I could put in the lineup and I've signed JBR as insurance for it anyhow. Yeah, but we're going to keep Wayne Simmons so we can have a chance to beat Pittsburgh in the first round. They won't do it for that. No. No, they, they, no, as if they're three, if they're, I mean, I don't know, there is a point at which, you know, 10 points out or whatever where I see it. Okay, I get it. But they won't be 10 points out. In the modern day NHL, if you're a halfway decent team, you'll never be 10 points out. You know what the death, the death of any team in this, in any professional league is now is mediocrity. If you're in the middle, you are, you are much worse off than being at the top of the league and and much worse off if you're in the bottom of the league. Because at least, if you're at the bottom or if you're at the top, there's playoff possible playoff glory or the potential to draft the next franchise player. If in the if you're in the middle, you're just stuck stuck between a rock and a hard place. And believe me, I know because all the Leafs did for about a decade was play this mediocrity bull crap, and it never got them anywhere. <laughs> and I understand that frustration. And yes, being stuck in the middle can suck. And as you know, as I've been a you know. When people know that one of my teams out west, the Sharks, you know, they've they're they're a middle they've been a middle team, right? And I, I in in a lot of ways they they've looked good enough, but but Mike, you and I will never run a team together. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will never hire well, you. You run my team, team. You run your team, and I will never hire you. My Stanley Cup first. We'll see. We'll see who wins a Stanley Cup first. Well, and and you no, know, I will win a Stanley Cup, and you'll be sitting there with twenty five first round draft picks saying, "Hey, look, I don't look at all my draft picks." Um, What you're trying to do is is that you're trying to get draft picks, which is all great and fun, but I'm trying to win a friggin' Stanley Cup. I'm trying to get asset. If if you do it right. It's a great asset. It sits over there. It's silver. It's right there. No, but here's the thing. If you do it right, 60% of your team will be based on those draft picks in the cap era. I don't know the exact number, but I'm giving you a number. But the point is. Until you trade them away because you can't. let's Let's say I'm the guy who's in charge of the draft, right? It's one guy. I'm at the table. I want as many picks as I can have every year because yeah. I know if I get three or four a year, I'm eventually going to get there and I'm going to get there and then I'll buy the free agents I need to put me over the top. That's or, the way I want to do it. Or you can tr- or you can trade the draft picks to teams that have players that they a need to get rid of or they you know they need they need to do you, know, you could trade that's what i'm saying they could here's the problem with that yeah. is that you have to you you can't keep acquiring draft picks and doing nothing because you have to have a minimum amount of salary expenditure and eventually that's going to handcuff you well, even sure. if you're I mean, at the bottom end of the cap but keep acquiring draft picks eventually you have another james and reams like you have to trade yeah the, the, the point, the, the real point with this is if you're going to acquire draft picks and you're going to use this recycling motion, you better be really good at drafting and developing and getting players in quickly right. because your, your turnover rate is going to be big to manage this, this strategy. But you're also going to have to recognize that you, your salary expenditures are going to have to be really smart because you're going to have to get out of one or two contracts to keep this going. And at what point do you go all in? So eventually you, you, you accumulate talent, you draft well, you hold players back, you develop, you develop a great farm system. 
now you end up looking like the Toronto Maple Leafs and Winnipeg Jets, where everything's coming to roost at the same time, and you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And they both have them coming. The Leafs have played it very well. They managed to grab Tavares. But they've, it's going to come at a sacrifice when they play Marners, Matthew, and Nylander. I'm still going to make trades, Peter. That's not my point because I will develop guys and some of them who I don't believe are so, in the core will get traded for known talent. You have to so, do it. Exactly. So the point here is Van Riemsdyk is part of that process. Letting him go is part of that process. And, the, well, and the, that was part of the process for the Flyers, not for the Leafs. The, the Leafs didn't. The Leafs got him four years into it. Right. And this, the sac the sacrifice for the Leafs, Peter, is likely going to be a guy like Jake Gardner who they're not going to be able to afford because they're going to pay Mar they're going to pay Marner, they're going to pay Neil and they're right. going to pay Matthews. And then, you know, Gardner has another 50-point season and is going to expect to get $6.5 million they're in free. Yeah. And he's not, he's not going to get it from Toronto. There's no way. You have now, who, did Jake Gardner, who, who was the Jake Gardner trade, Mike, for Anaheim? Oh, Jake, it was Jake Gardner, Joffrey Lupo, and a fourth-round pick for right. Francois Beauchemin. That was a okay. So think about that, Peter. That is the yeah. kind of trade where Anaheim has too many good players that they've developed. They could trade Jake Gardner. They yeah. got a guy that helped them win a Stanley Cup. They basically gave Jake Gardner to, to Toronto to dump Lupo's salary after Lupo had back surgery. They thought Lupo may not ever play again. Supposedly Lupo was a salary dump, and then he had a renaissance with Toronto before he ended up. Didn't that trade happened though before the year. What's that? Didn't that trade happened off season. I'm not sure. No, I'm that not. trade happened in season. It was uh, it was around February. I think it was February. Okay, so February. All right, so that that's I mean that that was Burke though also bringing bringing players that he liked, right? That was that was Burke recognizing that he made a mistake in signing Boschman because Boschman was not the defenseman that he thought in that it was that was the defenseman in Anaheim because uh, they gave him a bigger role, and then he, he, he you know, it was he's one of those guys that played better. He's like Radom Verbata. The only place Radom Verbata plays good is in Arizona. The only place that Francois Boschman ever played good was in Anaheim. Okay, so we're looking at this season. The Leafs are in first place. They're they're cruising along. Um, you know, the Lightning are all injured, and you know, whatever. You know, Stamkos is you know, ran in, ran into somebody in the middle of the game, and he's out. So whatever. I'm I'm sorry to put that. Just let's say the Leafs are cruising. I don't want to wish bad on anybody. Okay. All right, Leafs are cruising. Mm -hmm. Going into the playoffs, they haven't picked up any other defensemen. This is what they have now, mm -hmm. and they just, they should just they should, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is, but they should just jump jump. They're gonna. So you think they should just trade away Jake Gardner, right? The trade the time. Well, first first of all, if they're if they're if they're if they're making a run, and they have ten million dollars in cap space, which they're probably gonna have going into the season, I think they're going to add a defenseman, probably a rental. And if they do that. Then they can turn around and trade Jake Gardner for a first round pick and a prospect. You think they can trade Jake Gardner in the middle of the season if they're? I in. would. I would definitely. Now, I, like I said, uh, uh, I I heard an interview with, uh, and and I I believe this is the case that the Leafs' philosophy, their management philosophy now is to not let anybody walk. You either sign them or you trade them, and if that's the case. They're uh, they're simpatico with my philosophy because that's always been my philosophy. Either this guy's part of the future, one way or the other. Either he's part of your future because he's there, or he's part of the future of what you can get for. Him. Otherwise, so we also never do trade for a rental. <clears throat> oh, well, I mean, 
I'm for trade. I am for trading for a rental when when you think you have a legitimate chance. Well, rentals all lock. So I will. I will trade a second or a third round pick for a rental. I'm not trading a first. Yeah, my my main my main complaint. Like I think I think that what the what the Jets did with Stasny is acceptable because I thought the Jets had a, a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup and adding a guy like Stasny could have put them over the top. What I disagreed with with Toronto is they were you know they were they made. They were barely going to make the playoffs two years ago. They trade for Brian Boyle, and you know, okay, but they were never going to win. So you gave up a second round pick for a guy who was a fourth line plug, and then the next year they do, you do the same thing for Placanitz when you knew, or I think you, most people knew, they weren't going to win the Stanley Cup. So why give up a couple second round picks when I, told, I think they did that to to make play, the that coach happy because they that's what you wanted. They placated the coach is what they, they did. did, and then as far as the Winnipeg thing, I do believe Winnipeg thought they could re-sign Stasny, and and clearly it got close. So I think that played into it too. But it was a good move because I mean, Peter, don't I mean that I think I think Winnipeg was one of the five or six teams that legitimately had a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and that was a, a move that could put them over the top. Yeah, absolutely. They they went in on they they went in with a with a prospect that they was depth for them. Like they didn't need to have Eric Foley come in. They have enough prospects in that regard. And they needed something that was going to entice St. Louis to make the deal. And they came in with a first round pick, which is exactly what the Blues need in terms of, of continuing their pipeline after losing a player of Stasny's caliber, whether he signed back there or not. I think the team thought they could re-sign him too. I think they believed they they could, but they knew the risk. I, I I don't like like they knew their cap crunch was coming, and they thought they could re-sign Stasny probably at a little less than what he took in Vegas. I think that was the belief, um, but it was going to cause other problems. But I think they're prepared to deal with those other problems if they could get Stasny. Uh, there's two things about that deal it was believed well first the jets their final offer was more than they really wanted to go right and two i believed they went a year longer than they wanted to in their offer ideally i think they only wanted them for two years okay all right so yeah um I, and i think you're right i think i think stassi was an i mean st louis they're the classic case right they lost drew Backus for nothing um, and they all and they all freaked out about the uh, David back. It's not your back. Sorry, David back. David back for nothing. Um, yeah. And they, I'm like, Drew doesn't sound right. <laughs> they lost David Backus for nothing. Um, yeah. Not that Backus did a whole lot in Boston, but they lost him for nothing. Um, and then they came back and chat, next year is Shattenkirk, and they like, well, we can't lose Shattenkirk for nothing. So they moved Shattenkirk. Um, and even though they were in the playoffs at the time, they did it right. Um, right. And that's me was an insane move. But I but when I talked to people in St. Louis, this is what they said about Shattenkirk. They all believe Shattenkirk was really farly overrated. There was a re they were really down on Shattenkirk. They was like he's he's only one he's a one trick pony. He does one thing. That's all he does. And yeah. they really didn't want him. They weren't they didn't even want to resign him. So but that's that a, but that's an indicator of where I think things are going because they were in the playoff race. St. Louis has done it twice. They did it with Shattenkirk. They did it with Stasny. They were in the yeah. playoffs. They were going to make the playoffs. They still traded a key player because yeah. they wanted to get something. For a guy that they knew that they weren't going to be able to resign, right. and, they went out and they traded some draft picks to get you know Braden Chen, and they made some good. They made some right. good. And and now you know, I mean, St. Louis is aggressive. I, I'm okay with aggressive. That's fine. But at the same time, you know, 
I thought Stastny was a mistake. I thought moving him was a big mistake because I thought they had, I mean. And yeah, I, look, in retrospect, you may be right. But at the time, I, I applauded the deal because I didn't think it killed them enough to, I don't think it changed where they were going to end up. And I think it looked at things. They were, they were in a tailspin going into the trade deadline. Remember, they were having a horrible. No, they, no, they, but, but at the end of the day, were they going to be that much better if they kept them and let them play through? No. They probably weren't going to make the playoffs with them. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I think that, right. yeah, the whole the whole process, I mean, it, like, you know, Blake Wheeler is a great example because, you know, he has a situation like he's another, he's, he's a superstar. Right? He Blake Wheeler is a superstar. So he is the next guy that could be, that we could be talking about. Um, he is UFA when, not this year, but next year, yeah. right? Next year, yeah. He's got two UF, two years to go still? Race no, 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 no. He's a, he's a UFA next summer. Right. Okay, so you're getting, so they, they're trying to sign him now. So they're trying to extend him now, basically. Right. right. So, yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, he's the guy who's going to get a ton of money. And part of the reason that, you know, Stasny's not there is because of Blake Wheeler, obviously. Um, and they got it. They got it. They got it. That's why they moved. That's why they moved. Oh, Mayfield. you're talking about why Stasny's not in Winnipeg or why Stasny's not, not in Winnipeg? Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not, it's not only that. It's, it's, uh, it's Kyle Connor. It's Patrick Laine. Right. They have yeah. a ton to do. Of course. Yes. I got that. But I still think at the end of the day, I mean, you also have to look at team situations, right? The Flyers versus the Blue Jackets and versus the Jets. So throw all three of those in the same boat, right? And um, as you – okay, so all of them – I mean, the Flyers have a history that they've been around. They could perhaps survive a, a, getting knocked out in the first round and no one will really care. It's, but, it, you know, the team, fans still want to win, obviously. Columbus – is it's vital that they go far in the playoffs this year. I and mean, this, this is, this is a team that has to make it to the conference finals. I think there's no, there's no choice about it. This is not a team that can sit sure, back. But it, it, I agree with you, but again, things happen in an NHL season. And if all of a sudden they're going into the, into the trading deadline and they look at the team and say, you know, we think we can get to the Stanley cup, but we're really not sure. Yeah. They are going to trade Artemi Panarin, whether they're in first place, third place, whether they're locked up a playoff spot or not, unless they're 99% sure they're getting to the Stanley Cup. If they're in third place in the Metro or in a wild card spot, if they don't trade Panarin, they're nuts. I agree. And, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Thing, let's switch subjects real quick because the, um, the, the subject I brought up before, Eck, was there's a, um, there's a thing in the NFL now that doesn't really exist in the NHL, or at least not yet, where players can purchase loss of value insurance for like the draft. Cause basically right now the NFL draft slots players in certain spots. And right. so like, if you're a guy that gets picked top 15, you could go to an insurance company and say, well, you know, my next, my second contract should be, and let's say it's going to be 20 million. If not, then you get this, you know, insurance policy that you've been paying off. And some guy collected like a $3 million policy because his second contract wasn't what, was normally going to be anticipated because he dropped in the draft and everything else. So I did some digging and it's interesting because like Baker Mayfield, who went first overall in the NFL draft, got a $32 million contract. Now 22 million of it is real money, right? That's the signing bonus. And then after that, you know, he probably gets a few million a year and there's probably even an opt out somewhere. But the idea is the NHL money is not that big yet. Well, I don't know what that's 
situation where, like Mike was telling me offline, that yes, bonus structure, but that's again the ELC sort of kills all that. If the NHL ever did a slotting situation in the draft, then maybe that would come into play. But what the NHL players do is they do insure their big contracts for themselves, not the club, because the club does their own insurance. But players do insure their big contracts because then it gets to the point where they figure, all right, if I get a career-ending injury at this point, at least you know I'm worth this much. I could get insurance on that, and I find that interesting. It's, now. Russ, it's really expensive insurance. This is interesting because that's not even yeah. really an insurance policy. What that is is that's a hedge. Yeah, it is a hedge, hedge against it. it. Yeah. So. I you know I don't need to remind anyone what hedging got the world into back in 2007. No, I'm a Met fan. Please don't. Yeah, right. But but <laughs> that's 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 what that is. It's it's basically you're buying you're buying like a top up to say uh, my trajectory is 10 million a, 10 million a year. Uh, right. But if I only make seven million, I want you to cover the. Th I want to have a a hedge policy to cover the three million if I don't. It's like buying futures, right? right? So it's that's really interesting. I'd love to see the numbers, the actuarial science behind that because I heard, that's I heard, fascinating. I heard something about them like doing a futures market for professional athletes. Like they're they were yeah. gonna be which is which is it's like fantasy it's like fantasy sports on steroids. It's like, yeah. oh well, you know, Baker Mayfield fantasy game with that. I was I was involved in getting a former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, um, former NHLer, a deal during the last lockout, um, sort of a connection, know the family and was helping with a certain thing. And it was a very fascinating experience to be a part of. I don't, when I was, had my business, I didn't deal in that capacity of insurance, but I got involved in this in a weird way. It was really interesting. It's not cheap. No, no, you have to figure it's expensive, right? If he got a yeah. three million dollar payout, he probably put three, four, five hundred thousand into it. I would think, at least, at least, maybe even yeah. more. And yeah. but it is an interesting. It's an interesting thing because it sort of does make you bet against your future self. Like if yeah. you believe, in, right? Because like if you believe in yourself, then you're going to be like, well, I don't need that because I'm going to make that money because I'm going to be the best. But if you're the practical guy and you say, well. What if I do get hurt? This ensures my future in case there is a career-ending injury, and I'll pay into this just in case. Now, if I get a big contract, I won't care that I've paid out five hundred thousand because I got the big contract, and that was just covering it for myself. So, guarantee contract aspect of it. Is well, that was that was the that, that was being talked about when remember when all the talk was of Tavares taking a one-year max deal from Toronto or some other team that they were going to have to take out insurance against the lost potential lost value if he got hurt uh, that they would he would have lost out on the, the additional six or seven years he would have gotten from from an eight-year or seven-year contract so that was a consideration with that I mean I, I just imagine how much the insurance policy would have been because you're talking about you know uh, talking about 65 to 70 million dollars in revenue yeah, see, the thing is, like I said, the contracts in the NHL aren't big enough yet when, you know, when you're talking about even guys in the first round getting $20 million deals and probably $10 million up front, mm -hmm. the NHL doesn't do that. But the NHL has guaranteed deals. But I think if the NHL had this and we went back to a draft, like let's say the <laughs> Angelo Esposito draft, would Angelo Esposito have taken out a deal like that? 
right. because he is the guy that that deal is made for. If you yeah, but here's the it. here's the difference between the NFL and the NHL. It's like you said, May, Mayfield had a thirty-two million dollar contract. I think it's a it's a four-year deal with a fifth-year option. The in the NHL, the first pick in the draft for this year, Rasmus Dahlin, his contract is $925,000 entry level, three years. Uh, if he goes to the American Hockey League, which he won't, it's $70,000. And the bonuses go up to $2.85 million. So he can basically make a, a little less than $4 million if he hits all of his bonuses. And if he doesn't, he probably makes between a million and a half to $2 million. That's the first three years of the deal, and then it blows up from there. But in the NFL, so you he's making one-fifth – yeah. Of what of what Baker Mayfield's making roughly, and you can make the argument that he'll have not the same impact, but close to the same impact because Baker Mayfield's probably not going to start the season with Cleveland, right? They, they're going to wait. Maybe he'll play yeah, start the fifth game or they'll something. Play Tyrod Taylor, right? They'll play Tyrod Taylor. So, you can make the argument that their impact will be pretty close, but that's where the sports are at revenue wise. So when, when if you're if you're an agent and and a, and a manager for a player like say let's take a Darlene, and you you realize that the way the CBA is is that you've got to get through your first three years before the real money comes in. Right. You do all you, you do all this risk management, and one of the things that you you you're managing on is what happens if he breaks his leg and he can't come back. So you buy insurance for that. Because it's a career-ending thing, it's not cheap. It's just like the old thing where Martina Navratilova had something insured, right? And and a lot of tennis players and sort of individual sport athletes did. But in this case, you would do that. You would also have things like all sorts of modified things, like critical illness and and, and critical injury. And it's a super super niche market. There's few people who do it because there's so few people who need it, and it's written by very few companies. But it would be super um, important for someone like a Darlene or any draft pick, like a McDavid. Think about McDavid. Right. I mean, it's, you know, because clearly, you know, his last contract, he got it insured. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Well, it's guaranteed. I mean, if he breaks his leg and he can't play again, he just goes on injured reserve. It's the team that insures that contract. No, 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 no. No, but players still insure big contracts too, because even though it's guaranteed, I think because if you can't play beyond that, you'll right. still get a payout. But, right. But here's the thing. So say you're a player who gets a, who's had a number of different injuries early on in your career. You can't get insurance. They won't take well, that, it. The risk that, is too high. That yeah. was, that was the whole, that was the whole thing with the, with the Nathan Horton situation. Nathan yeah. Horton had a, had a back injury early. I think it was back, back injury earlier in his career and Columbus could not insure his contract for a back injury. I think they could insure him for other things, but they, uh, but they didn't. And then he has the degenerative back problem and they're screwed and they're 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 caught out out of position there and the whole reason for the whole David Clarkson deal was because you know the Leafs at that point didn't care they didn't care about whether it was insured or not they and 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 the the cap hits were the same and Columbus could put Clarkson on LTIR if they needed to and the Leafs once they pay, paid up to the cap, they could put them on LTIR, but they'd still spend out the money. And it, but the money didn't matter. The money out of pocket didn't matter because they make so much money. Right. But if you're like, let's just say you are James Van Riemsdyk, right? Even for the last deal that he got from the Leafs, he would definitely ensure that not because 
He's worried about the injury during the time where he's got the guaranteed contract. It's if it, there's a career-ending injury because then he can't make any more money. That's what you're. That's what you're protecting yourself against. Yeah. It's contract two, three, four, and five. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right, we got to end here. Um, but before we end, um, I have a little um a little ex attic for you guys today. Then we're gonna get out of here. Um, so yeah, I mentioned before, you know that you know my um, love of Pelly Lindbergh, and I showed you guys last week. I showed the I showed the jersey that I got before he came in the league. But I also got this mask, which um you know this is a uh, this is actually a um. The people who made Pelly's mask, they made this for me, which is kind of cool. So it, this is an actual copy of Limerick's mask. Of course, I put but this. I wore this mask a couple of times. So that's why I put the 31 on it and then the E5 because I wore this in a charity thing. So I thought it would yeah, be yeah, yeah. E5. Um, and this is the mask I wore in Nashville when I did my uh, when I did my anonymous thing. There's the anonymous right. there. But like this, you know, do this thing. So there you go. I just cut myself, I think. But anyway. <laughs> Jesus. Ow. If you really want to see Eck hurt himself, please put on the Delaware helmet again. Oh, geez. Yeah, no, no, if we want to see Eck hurt himself, let's watch the video where he's on the ball and he falls. Oh, that's the best. That's yeah, the best. Delaware helmet sucks because they put a thing inside of it. This makes me angry. All right. Oh, don't, don't. Please don't. Yes, do it. Do it. I'm not going to do it. What's the <laughs> bar in here? Like across here. Right. You remove it. Um, I think I'm bleeding. All right, remember without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will uh, talk to you Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.